Good morning to each of you. Good morning. Merry Christmas to you. It's a wonderful day, isn't it? Wonderful to be able to worship the Lord on Christmas Eve day. And uh, we're so thankful for that and glad, to, uh, glad that you're in the house of the Lord this morning to worship him and to enjoy his presence. And, and we're going to have a tremendous service today. I want you also to be reminded that tonight at 6 p.m., We'll have a Christmas Eve service, and it's just going to be, I just know it's going to be great. And uh, a lot of things happening in that service. It's going to last approximately one hour, so if you'd like to plan different things and, uh, with your family or whatever that might be, it'll be from 6 to 7 o'clock. We should be walking out of here at that point. And uh, we certainly want to invite you to be a part of a very special evening, And because uh, I, I just know you're going to love it. We want to welcome our guests that are with us today, and please take a moment, and there's a connection card right in front of you. If you could just uh, complete that, we want to send you a note this week. Also, we welcome you to take that to the back, <clears throat> to the uh, information desk. It's right around the corner there, and uh, we have a gift for you. We want you to uh, take it home with you as a remembrance of this, of this service this morning. I'm going to read from the Word of God today. Uh, just three or four verses from Matthew chapter 1. And I'd like to invite you to stand with me as we read from God's word this morning. Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse number 18, which simply says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ is as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take you, Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you. We set the stage this morning for this service, and it is a supernatural moment in which we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you this morning that we can gather in his name, and we lift up the name of Jesus. We thank you for his coming. We thank you for all that he has done for us. Father, I pray that this morning, May the power of the Holy Spirit touch every person here this morning. Every person, every guest, every member, every individual in this room. Father, I pray that you will open our hearts, open our mind and spirit, that we might respond to Jesus Christ. So, Father, I pray today, let this be a day in which there is an uplift of your hope that would be born afresh in our life. And so we thank you. We give you our praise today. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles this morning to the book of Hebrews chapter 1. The book of Hebrews chapter 1. I'm going to read my text in just a few moments or so, but uh, 
just wanted to kind of introduce this message. I wonder if you've ever thought if there would ever be a time when you would see that Christmas would become as controversial as it is today, in 2017. I just heard this week uh, a city in, uh, I believe, California, an atheist group uh, wanted to bring a lawsuit against the city and because they thought the city should go and take, uh, tell all of the churches to take down their manger scenes in their front yards because this was so disturbing to people of no faith. Now, somebody has to, if, if you could help me out on this just a little bit today, somebody please walk up to me this morning before you leave and explain to me why an atheist who does not believe in God or anything like that is so upset by things that do represent God. If there is no God, why should you, why is there a problem? And I, I just haven't been able to process that properly in my head. And I'm looking for help. Maybe you can help me this morning. We have, uh, in many places, Merry Christmas is being replaced with Happy Holidays. Uh, a couple, a few days ago, a clerk in the store said, well, Happy Holidays to you. And I said, thank you very much. Merry Christmas to you. And uh, I felt like I was in control of that situation, so <laughs> we, uh, we did it that way. Uh, every year, more and more people seem to become offended by innocent displays of Christmas. You know, it's interesting, the Christmas, and I love Christmas carols, I love them. Uh, I learned Christmas carols, this may, uh, this, I don't know, this may or may not shock you. I learned Christmas carols in school. Uh, Beaver Township School. Sarah Johnson, the teacher, that was my earliest teacher that I remember, would get over to the old upright piano that really needed now that I think of it, I didn't think of it then too much, but I, I do think of it now, it really needed tuning. Uh, or else she needed to be a better player, I don't know which. But uh, we sang Christmas songs in school. And that's how I learned them. I have, the majority of them are memorized. I learned them in school. And I'm so glad I had that opportunity to do so. I think we have to face facts that there are just some people that are not happy with Christmas, and I, uh, it is my opinion, and I believe I'm correct on this, that it's also most likely they are not happy with themselves. There's an issue inside. It's not just, just not Christmas, it's something on the inside that certainly is not correct, that needs adjusting, that needs help, and all of those things. I remember a Christmas program, this happened actually a few years ago, many years ago now, and I was sitting in the front row and the children were up here doing their thing with the Christmas program. We had the, we had, uh, we had uh, the, the shepherds and the angels coming in and all of that, and all of that was occurring. Joseph and Mary shows up and, and they place the baby in the uh, cradle, in the uh, manger. And I remembered, I think it was two ladies sitting behind me that just whispered, is that a real baby? <laughs> and I thought, well, that's, I'm glad it's that, I'm glad it's that authentic. We're doing pretty good here. But uh, they wanted to, they were kind of curious, is that a real baby? Well, I'll tell you what, the baby is real. 
Mary is real. Joseph is real. Angels are real. Shepherds are real. Wise men that came for their visit, they're real. And the whole thing really happened just as Matthew and Luke said it happened. And they tell us, I don't question one piece of it. I, I don't mind reading different things about uh, that kind of peel back all kinds of things and look at these things, but far as I'm concerned, the Word of God is the accurate source of my information concerning Christmas. It always will be. Nothing is going to change my mind about that at all. Hebrews chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. I'm going to read my text, and then I'd like to go back and then kind of begin to peel away and unwrap this thing as we go. So keep your Bibles open today and on your lap, because we'll look at them frequently. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, he has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the worlds, who being in the brightness of his glory and the expressed image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. The prophets talked about Jesus. Virtually every one of them had something... Uh, of interest to share with us, a piece of information, that, 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 that grand puzzle, if you will, pieces begin to flow into place as the prophets spoke. And when Mary had that little baby in Bethlehem stable, the final piece was placed into the center of that puzzle, and we know that his name is Jesus. For he has come to save his people from their sins. Take a look at verse 2. He is appointed heir of all things. You know, I think I can understand this a little bit uh, in some ways. My father has been gone for several years now. My mother continues to decline in her health. About three years ago, I believe it was around three years ago, I got a letter from my brother. And they'd been going through a number of things uh, concerning my father and mother, and particularly my mom, and, and uh, inside that letter, uh, it was a real brief letter. In fact, I think it only had about one sentence to it. And my brothers are not talkers. I, I, I do all of that uh, for them. But inside that was a folded up piece of paper with one sentence, and inside the folds were two $100 savings bonds and a $25 savings bond uh, dated back in the late 50s. And you know, I, I got to thinking, I have no idea what those things are worth. I should just figure that out, I guess. And the sentence said, I guess this is your inheritance. Don't spend it all on one spot. <laughs> My inheritance. When God says he appointed Jesus the heir of all things, it means that God has given him everything, the oceans, 
He has given him the furthest stars and the stars that we don't even know that exist. He has given him the mountains and, and all of the lands, everything, everything that you can imagine. Christ is the owner. It has been deeded over to him. I know there are those today that maybe think that a lot of this looks like the devil has taken over and all kinds of chaos that occurs inside the world and, and, and outside, but it doesn't. When Jesus came out of the tomb on that resurrection Sunday morning, it was game over. We win. I want you to go in your Bibles for a moment. Take a little quick trip with me to the book of the Revelation, chapter 22. Just real quick, we're going to dash over there for a few moments. And I want to read to you something that's very important. This is heaven. This is why I'm telling you the enemy has not won the fight. The enemy has lost. We have won. And God has something prepared, ready for his people to receive. Verse, Revelation chapter 22, verse 3. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be upon their foreheads. There shall be no night there, there no lamp or light of the sun, because the Lord God gives them the light, and they shall reign with him forever and ever and ever. Amen. This is what's awaiting for us, saints of God, that is ready for us, prepared for us. God has his, God is going to have his way in this whole thing. Do not sell out to the idea that somehow, somehow that we are being overwhelmed by the enemy in such a way that we could never possibly recover. Let me tell you, we will recover because there will be a trumpet come call from heaven in which we shall reign with him. And if we don't go by the trumpet, we will go by the grave, but it doesn't matter because we're going to be with him. That's what's important. And never, please never forget this. As far as heaven is concerned, I mentioned the game is over. The last chapter is written. It will not be revised. I know the fog of this life can obscure what God has for us. And I know there's a lot of times that we walk forward and we do so with, our te with tears that fill our eyes. We don't understand and we don't see clearly. And oftentimes we do ask the question why. I understand that. That's because we're human. That's because we're touched with many things and sometimes we just don't comprehend and understand those things very well at any given time. But we move forward. We walk by faith. And then when sometimes we stumble, and as Paul said, we are hard-pressed and we search for our answers. All is well in heaven. Please remember that. Never forget that. In some way between here and there, I know we have to deal with the skeptics, the critics, the tears, the ambulances, the hearses, and the long days and sometimes the longer nights. But it is settled. Jesus Christ is Lord over all. Amen. We walk by faith. Number two, also in verse two, 
whom he has also made the world whom he also made the worlds jesus christ is the agent of creation and the lord of all history he brought the universe into being and he wrote the script of what i call the unfolding drama of redemption and that drama is continuing to be written you and i are a part of that dramatic writing that god is doing my life your life our families are a part of that drama of his redemption there are two basic choices that comes when it comes to creation you can believe that all of this is a result of some kind of an infinite time and a blind chance or the universe is actually the result of god's divine design and of his purpose filled with his power all true science will lead you to god all true botany will lead you to god all true geology will lead you to god all true astronomy and physics will always lead you to god if your mind is a bit open to it it will lead you to god i'm fascinated by physics sometimes and science the great hadron collider over in switzerland and france it, it straddles the border it's a huge thing i don't I don't need to go into explaining it because what they do they fire protons around this and crash them into each other and they just did that here about a year or so ago and they found what they call the god particle i thought isn't that interesting well god already knew that all you have to do is turn to genesis chapter 1 verse 1 in the beginning god created and they said aha i think we are getting close to the creation of our world it's so great to see PhDs fall all over themselves saying aha we found it and people like you and me people like our children our little boys and little girls can say in the beginning God created this he did it and he didn't need the Hadron Collider to get it done he simply spoke the word and the worlds and the universes and the star everything came into existence this is why atheism is so unnatural we may we're made in god's image and god is placed within every person an innate desire to know god and to worship god that's a part of every person i don't care how tough they are how jaded they are how hard they are there's something inside them that god put in them that wants to worship something and god wouldn't be pleased if it would be him and not the things or ourselves or whatever it might be the atheist tells you you're a derivative of some some kind of primordial ooze and that by luck you and by happenstance you became a human being you know that's like taking my 19 or my 2002 toyota and driving it upright out here and say that's really a john deere tractor did you know that it makes about as much sense you're created in the image and the wonderful likeness of god in verse 3 who is being in the brightness of his glory 
the phrase brightness is like sun streaming or, or sunlight streaming from the sun. Jesus is the blazing brightness and radiance of the glory of God. In Matthew chapter 17, you get a little tiny glimpse of this, just a tiny glimpse. And Jesus is on top of the mountain and he's meeting with Moses and Elijah and he brought along Peter, James, and John. They got to tag along on this thing, and the Bible says Jesus was there in the glory of God. And Peter says, I don't ever want to leave this place. Let's build up some little tiny huts here and just stay here. I can't blame them. I would want that too. But there was a little glimpse, a little tiny, tiny, tiny glimpse of the glory that would be Christ. He is the express image of his person. The phrase express image comes from a Greek word, and this everybody can get this Greek word. The Greek word is character, spelled with a K. And of course, that's where we get our English word character. It's a word that used by the engravers. The, engra <coughs> the engravers would create an image and then on the metal that they would stamp or take a hammer and stamp it, that exact image would be stamped into the metal. That is what Christ has done in our lives. He has stamped the image of God into our lives and on our lives. And we become the expression of God. Jesus was that perfect expression of God. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it says, Let us make man in our image. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15, He, meaning Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the, <coughs> excuse me, the firstborn over all creation. He upholds all things. This is in what is called the present tense, and that means that Jesus right now is upholding and sustaining the entire universe. All things hold together by him. His power is far greater than any other force that you might imagine. This is telling me that Jesus is constantly thinking about me. He's constantly thinking about you all the time. Folks, my next breath, my next beat of the heart comes directly from God. And without his thought, I'm done. That's how it works. And again, back to the atheists for just a moment. They must use this. It's interesting. They use the power that he provides to them, the very power that he provides to them in order to deny his very existence. They owe their existence to the one they wish to deny. <coughs> he has, and then it goes on, the Bible says he has uh, himself purged our sin. And I want you to note this word, he has provided. He has provided. Not he will provide, not that he is providing. Jesus died once and for all, and his death and his resurrection is the total, complete payment for our sin. Nothing else has to be done. I'm carrying on an argument on social media 
with somebody who says, if you are not following the Hebrew rituals and everything, you are not really saved. And they are really wrong. And they really know better. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25, it says, you and I are saved to the uttermost. In other words, there isn't one thing that you can do to improve upon the salvation that God provides for you. You can't, you can't say, if I will go to church more, I'll be saved. You can't say, if I do better works, I'll be saved. You can't do any of that. None of that works. It is only through Christ and him alone. And finally, he is set down at the right hand of the majesty on high. <clears throat> on high. He sat down, it means the entire work of redemption is completed and nothing can be added to it. Not one thing, not one iota, not one moment. I believe there are a lot of people who strive, they work hard. <coughs> They're hoping, I, I hope I'm good enough to meet the standards of God. I hope that God will accept me. I hope that, that I'll be okay so I can make it to, I hope, I hope, I hope. What's God say about that? He says, these things are written that you might know that you have eternal life. God wants us to know this. This isn't a, this isn't a guessing game. This isn't, I just hope something good will happen. God wants us to know it. Having no doubt whatsoever in our life, I want to know that I'm right with God. There are people here today, and if I'd ask you, and if you'd be honest with me, <clears throat> do you know for sure, 100% sure, Am I right with God? If you would die today, would you go to heaven today? I've got to believe there are people sitting here right now. Pay attention to me, lady. Pay attention to me, man. This is serious. Eternity hangs in a balance here this morning. What are you going to do with Christ? Don't play the game. Don't play with this thing. Don't hope. No. Walk out that door. Walk out that door. Knowing that you're right with God. Know it. Know that you're right with him. I'm preaching a funeral Wednesday morning of Phil Brickman. Here's a man that knew beyond a shadow of a doubt I'm right with God because I know him and I'm living for him. I've believed him. I've stood with him. And any other adjective you could, it could ascribe to that. I know where Phil is today. I read from Revelation 22, there, Phil's there. He's there. We're the ones here. Nice as this is, this is nice. But he's got it better. I know. He knows. And I'll tell you what, seriously, I look at people's faces and I look at your faces and I look at people in this room and I say, are you ready? Do you know? Do you know it? Do I know?
the right hand of God. It's a place of honor. He is Lord and he's king over all. Philippians chapter 2 verse 9 says, God has highly exalted him and given him the name that is above every name. That the name of Jesus every knee shall bow. Of those in heaven and those on earth and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Donnelly, would you come back, please? Now that baby in Bethlehem's manger, what I have described for you from Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1, 2, and 3, that baby in the manger is all of what we just talked about. That's all. And Jesus Christ, God's Son, became a human being so that there would be no mistaken identity. I want to fully identify with you. We have trouble, don't we, trying to identify. What does God look like? What does heaven look like? What, what's all of this look like? We, we, we struggle with that. And so God does something about that. He says, I'll show you what I look like. I'm going to come to you. I'm going to show up. And he shows up as a baby. You know, a lot of people missed it. A lot of people are missing it still today. Awful lot of people. And it's sad. The baby in the manger was all that I've described. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. His name shall be, the angel went on, the angel went on and said, his name is Emmanuel, meaning God with us. He's with us. You don't have to be afraid of him. Jesus Christ is a welcoming God. He welcomes you. He's not a God that's going to push you away. He said, Pastor, you don't know my life. You don't know some of the stuff I got going. You don't know what's happened. That doesn't matter. Do you remember when Jesus was walking along one day and saw this woman that Religious people were just about ready to stone her. They, they really kind of was going to enjoy that. Boy, she had a past. Christ said, I forgive you. Just don't sin anymore. It's that simple. And for that reason, we extend an invitation this morning to people to say, let me come to Christ this morning. You want to get a great gift? Look at the gift of everlasting life. Look at the gift of forgiveness of sins. Look at the gift of heaven. Look at it. It's all available. All available. This morning, right now, in this church service. And God will provide every one of these needs. And I'm praying here at this Christmas time 
with all the busyness of our lives and all of these things, please, please consider Jesus. Consider Jesus, who he really is. Don't walk away from the manger. Don't walk away from this church service without coming to grips with that tiny baby who sleeps in a manger. Who is he? Why was he born? What difference does he make in your life? How can I know him better? It starts today. It starts in this room. And all that God has wrapped up is wrapped up in one word, Jesus. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, I pray this morning in the name of Jesus, the name that truly is above all names. Father, we are sometimes, sometimes we, we, we admire the baby in the manger, we admire the wise men, the angels, the shepherds, all of the things of Christmas, the story. But Father, it is so important that men and women in this church service make Christ real in their life. This isn't something that we just say, well, I agree with that and I acknowledge that, I understand that. This isn't about head knowledge. This isn't about walking through the church doors and showing up here on this Christmas Eve day. It's all about coming to know Christ, letting Christ be the true Lord and Savior of, of your life. It's the one who can turn your life around, the one who can forgive your sin, the only one. The only one that can make you right. And so, Father, I pray for people today that need Christ. There's been a recognition, there's been a work of the Spirit this morning. And that Spirit, I believe, that Holy Spirit has been working to open up minds and hearts. And so on in this moment, I ask that you lead those people who have opened their heart to Christ to simply pray with me, dear Jesus, come into my life. I repent of my sin. Sin is holding me out of heaven. I want to repent of it. I want to go in a brand new direction in my life. It starts today. This is day one. I believe on Jesus Christ and him alone for my salvation. I want to accept him into my life by faith as my Savior and Lord. I believe Jesus died for me and he rose from the dead. And this morning I open my heart completely, truthfully, honestly, before you, I open my heart and say, Jesus, come into my life. Come into my heart. Live in me. Live through me. Father, we thank you this morning. I want to ask while our heads are bowed in, 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 in reverent prayer, if you've prayed with me this morning, that very prayer, I'd ask you to do just one thing, just one very, very simple thing. Could you just lift your hand so that we could perhaps identify who you might be? Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Father, we're so grateful that you love us. We're so grateful for Jesus. And Father, we, we close our service here on this Christmas Eve day 
with thanksgiving unto you. Thanks be unto the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.